back once again. Delighted to be here. Now, you just came in on a Ducati... Street Fighter V4. Street Fighter V4. And how, how'd you come up with that? Well, it was a auction um, iconic they've got uh, it was listed as a extremely overbuilt uh, Ducati Street Fighter that a gentleman in Las Vegas apparently poured a ton of money into and realized it wasn't for him it was like alright I'm going to sell it and I saw it I was like I'm going to throw in a lowball bid there's no way I'm going to be the winning bidder I didn't even want to be around when the auction closed because I was expecting to be outbid someone's going to drop at least 30 grand for it and I got a missed call because uh, I was writing at the time, and I get a call from Abby at Iconic saying, "Hey, you're the high bidder. Where's the money?" That's crazy. <laughs> it was twenty six thousand for a bike that probably has about like thirty eight, thirty nine k like oh, invested f- into yeah. it between the the customized racing uh, components, the ECU flash, the because every carbon option out there, and uh, and so the clear clutch, clutch, clutch the clear clutch cover. And the, the wheels were also, like, custom-painted as well. It was taken off, stripped, and then painted, then re-sealed. Re, uh, whole thing is just a ridiculous... And, and the crazy machine. part is the mileage. 230 miles when I got it. Like, <laughs> literally, like, two tanks of gas, maybe. It's a good-looking bike. It's a great bike. I, have, really have you been riding it a lot? It's uh, We're almost at 2,000 miles. So nice. I like putting miles on my machine. I feel sad when I hear these auctions that are like, oh, this is like a the fastest bike from 1996 that's got two miles on it. I'm like, mm. uh, I, I don't get it. I, I understand why they do it, kind of, but it's like, why would you? It's like it's no longer the fastest bike anywhere. It's just another like 100-horsepower motorcycle. And it's like, you want it to be, you know, the, these things are meant to be used. There's artwork that's meant to be just pretty, you look at it. That's just regular art. Right. Motorcycles, performance cars, I think they're meant to be used. It, it has all this potential that just never gets used. It's just but it, tragic. But, but it, it's crazy how, it's crazy how like when, you know, what's that, what's that, um, the people that appraise, they travel the United States right. and then they appraise people's, you know, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and it's, you hear these stories that are mind boggling. Like I was watching this one guy, he was a veteran, mm. he was in Vietnam he bought a Rolex, you know, he saw his captain wear a Rolex and he was like, I want a Rolex. He, he finally got the money, bought the Rolex, wore it three times and saved it. Mm. And then they were like, oh, look, you know, your watch, it's, this is a good year. And this year they only did this and that and the blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it, like this is easily 470000 But because you have the box and the paperwork and this, that, that, you can easily get... 750,000 and the guy faints and he goes no 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 get up but because it's this limited edition this is 1.3 to 1.5 million dollars <laughs> like you're like there's wait. a whole collector world that's into this sort of stuff yeah, and uh, yeah. And I, I never got into it but right. it's like where, where's the division of of you know don't ride your shit and, and store it or ride your shit because so here's my view of it like for every one of those there's going to be a bunch that's worth nothing so if you hang on to it Actually, I have the perfect anecdote to this. What an old roommate of mine, he had the interesting experience of actually watching someone become a hoarder. Because usually when you hear about hoarders, they've already been hoarders for years. They've got all the shit and yeah. it's a nightmare. So he he was, his girlfriend at the time, mother was, you know, retired, maybe 60 something. And she would, her, she had a hobby. She was, you know, she was a high functioning person, had a good job. And she, she had a hobby of going to swap meets and she would go and buy, you know, find things that are on, you know, a good price, fix it up, clean, sell it and whatever. And so she's in this community of swap meet people and someone in her community. Swap meet people. Yeah, right? They go <laughs> yeah, to these yeah. like garage sale swap meets and I'm looking for stuff, you know, looking for value and like old whatever. So someone in her community, someone she, not even one of her friends, but someone she kind of knows 
Yeah. You know, friends of friends. So, uh, bought a like an old like a plaster ceramic cat or something. It just looked like some kitschy like decoration, whatever thingy. It was it was an estate sale. No one knew who it was. It was grandpa so and so's. And then she dropped it. it. Turned out it was solid gold underneath. This this wow. crappy plaster cat just had it was solid gold. It was maybe about nine ten thousand dollars worth of gold bullion. And it, it, all of a sudden, this thing that that she got for it was really heavy. Like oh, I didn't think plaster would be that heavy. And then it breaks. And it's like oh shit. And so, so here's yeah. here's the weird part. This mother, she hears about this thing, and ever since that moment, she's going to swap me. She's trying to recreate that magic for herself. Yeah. And then all, so he watched this woman that was high functioning before that had like guest bedrooms in her house. Every bedroom started getting filled up with stuff. She was going to meet after meet, of trying to find. Well, this guy must have had some other stuff, and da da da. And it was interesting watching the transformation of somebody from a regular person who was able to have stuff and get rid of it to well, this anything that. I might buy, it could be worth like 30X what I paid for it. So I can't get rid of anything. I got to really scan everything. That, that transformation. Right, it, it, sounds like a, it sounds like a gambling mentality. Right. Like when right. you hit that jackpot the first time. And you want to chase more that. The, yeah, you want, I, I call it chasing the white dragon. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, like, oh no, we can't leave yet. One more hand, one more hand. Right. And it's true. One more hand. Theoretically, well, right. the right hand. Yeah, of course. And, and funny story, it happened to me. Recently, yeah. Recently, I, I went. I was in Vegas. I had a bad run, mm. and I, I'm like at the last hundred bucks, and I'm doing like twenty dollar hands. Mm. Okay, so it's five hands left. Wow. My um, my host comes by, and and I go, dude, what the fuck's wrong with your machines, man? Like, like if I lose, fine, but right. like everybody's complaining in this room, right? You know, and this is like a, a you know a room, right? And people are yelling, and like something's wrong. And right. it was Robert. All it is is. One good hand. Yeah. You know, one good spin. Right. Because you know, this is, you know, machines. Yeah, yeah. My last 20. So, doot, 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 get to my last 20. I recovered everything back. Ah. Everything back and some and then went to dinner. Nice. And that was the end of the day. But but that's, but yeah, you're chasing the white dragon. Ch- chasing it. So, I think that's the thing is. That happens with cryptocurrency and everything. stocks. And so, you got to kind of also manage your own energy levels. Because at some level, you hear these stories and then you go, well, I, I can't put anything else, anything. And then, and then you're just that guy that's nervously looking over all your stuff. What's the point of ultimately having, you see, having, you know, imagine you have that, you sell that Rolex for a million. What would you do with that million that you didn't have before? You didn't earn it necessarily, right? I mean, it'd be one thing to say you build a business, you sell, sell a service, a product and whatever, you have enough of a markup that you have a million dollar surplus. You have, you have to work toward it, you get it, and then you have plans for it. You're going to buy something with it, something nice that you'll actually use. At some point, the money's meant to be used. And that's kind of how I view it is you don't want to just simply put everything and this theoretical, it might be worth a lot down the line and therefore everything must be put in like these mothball boxes and whatever. People that won't let you sit on their furniture because it's going to ruin their leather. Yeah, it's that's, like, ah, dude. Yeah, it's not a good way to live. It's a terrible way to live, I think, because then it's it's that scarcity mentality. It's like, this is the last good thing that ever happened to me. So I can't, I can't let any loss happen. And I think that mentality is what, and I think this is something as an immigrant that I've I've thought a lot about because my parents hate spending money. If they're if you're watching, uh, <laughs> cut but, it out. Uh, it's it's, and I kind of get it. When we first came to America, we were poor, poor, poor. Like I, my early memory of uh, when I was six, seven years old, when we first came to America, my father was a um, he worked at a grocery store. He was working the midnight to seven a.m. shift at a grocery store because that was the only job that. He, it was funny. He went to Taita, which is Taiwan's Nemoral University. He was an orphan that fled China during the Cultural Revolution, went to Taiwan, was at the bottom of Taiwanese society, clawed his way into the number one university as an orphan raised by his older brothers. It's like, like some kid from Compton getting into Stanford. No yeah. you know, special whatever thing, just like just clawed your way in, graduated, had a great bank job. 
30 years old, getting married, and then came to America. I was like, it's like, first of all, like, why would you do this? Why would you throw away that win? I mean, we're parents. Right. Like, if you had money and status and you started from nothing, you're like a freaking refugee, your parents are dead ever since you were six years old, and you've made it, like, why would you walk away? I, I, I know I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I would never walk away from that. But I'm grateful they did because we have the life that I have. And I remembered, like, we would have, um, he would drive this little crappy uh, old Buick that he had. It was like this gigantic beast. I was getting like 12 miles a gallon. And he would work the midnight to 7 a.m. shift from, uh, and then because where we lived, where school was, and his job was so far apart, there wasn't time to have for him to go back home to pick me up to go to school. So he just said, yeah, sleep in the back of the car and then pull the blanket over your head. And we got to go to the bathroom, pee by that tree over there, and then come back in the car and lock up. And so that's what yeah, I did for wow. about a couple months. But because, I mean, now they're comfortable, they're retired. My father, you know, picked up a real estate license, did a bunch of good stuff, good investments. And so he's comfortable, but even then he has that mentality where when he sees me spending money, he's like, no, why would you do that? There's a cheaper option. Everything has, a, there's always a cheaper option. Why would you not take the cheapest option? What's wrong with you? It's like, ah, okay, just. I, I got friends like that, that they'll spend, but they're, they're even stranger. Yeah. They'll spend $2 to save 50 cents. Right. Like, they'll be like, wait a minute. I can get this across town 50 cents cheaper. And so you spend and, that much in gas. And, just and to get and they'll spend an hour <laughs> to drive Which across what, town. What's the value of your time, bro? Yeah, but but but, but they but they can't. It's like, no. Right. I no, can't I pay for retail price. I, yeah. I, no, I could save 50 cents on this. Yeah. You know, fuck this. Oh, I know. Yeah. Every time I buy something online and I see a coupon thing, I always try all these different coupon codes. It doesn't work. And I go, oh, no, I got to pay full price. I, I, I feel badly, even though it's like I can afford It's like it's a $5 item. Oh, I got to find a coupon code. No, no coupon codes. So looking online, Googling for it is my, it's my, a weird instinct. My, code. my thing that I've been recommending to a lot of people, this is not financial advice or yeah. anything. I, I just think the benefits are insa- insane. Mm. But, you know, the crypto arena right yes yes so i i've been hooked on crypto.com before they even launched that and nice. I, bu- I bought in at a good time very good um but what they offer right now that that i have one of their cards mm. is but they have a staking program that if you stake right. x amount of money so mm. right now my card is i stake uh i stake about four grand yep. and they give me a debit card yep. i load it up i get three percent cash back on everything, everything. Everything that sounds good. A buddy of mine just did the forty thousand dollar one, so you're right. just staking it, right? You know, if it it's goes still up, there, goes down, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but you're just staking it. He gets five percent cash back. Oh shit! And we were at the outlet, yeah. And he was, uh, he was looking at Hugo Boss, and yeah. he was buying something, and yeah. there was like a sell where it was like sixty percent off, plus right. an additional twenty percent off, all and men's all the shit item together. this off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's like, "This is crazy. This yeah. is crazy." Yeah. And then he pays with this card, and he right. gets five percent more oh, that back. back. Right. And I would, like, it's, yeah. dude, You're it's like, mm. it's 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 amazing. Yeah. And you could pay your your bills like this. Yeah. It's worth checking out. I don't. I've been thinking about. it. I haven't picked it up yet. So it's. Uh, the sad thing is, I was in the crypto a long, long time ago, and that's kind of how you dumped. Can we say I, yeah, it? That, yeah <laughs> I don't know. That, well, for another time, but yeah, no, it's yeah. A, it's it's one of these things that's like for the longest time it was like this this weird magic bullshit internet money. It's like okay, well, let's turn into something real because who knows? It might just go back to zero again. That was right. a lot of the mentality. A lot even of guys now, I knew back even then. Now. I think now there's enough institutional support that that's not the likelihood of the major alpha coins going to zero is pretty much eliminated. It, the altcoins, but but I think the major ones, the uh, the Bitcoin and uh, Cardano, um, and uh, Ethereum are going to be around in some form. Binance and stuff yeah. like that. Anyway, but but, uh, but but I think it's like I think it's like the stock market. you're, yeah. you're never going to be satisfied because you sold on time or you didn't sell on time or you didn't buy enough or you shouldn't. Have, you're never. Gonna you're going to second guess yourself to death. And this is the one same. It's the same version of what we're saying before. Like you know, if you start obsessing over like trying to catch the perfect buying at the very bottom you and then selling at the very the top. 
it's, you're going to be that neurotic person, that rich neurotic person. Even if you are rich, which statistically, most likely, you're not going to sell at the top and buy at the very bottom, which means you won't be the rich person you imagine. And then you're just going to be the neurotic version of a guy with more money than you. Yeah. Like, why would you want that? Why would you want to be more neurotic and then whatever money you have then, then you're more paranoid about losing? Because now, oh, let's say I have a $10 million. I'm down 10%. I'm down a million. Ah. And then people people are like this. And it's... It, 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 when people are forcing it or so desperate, yeah. it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I just watched the, a little Instagram post yesterday of Shaquille mm. O'Neal. And okay. Shaquille O'Neal is like, my, one of my first big investments was Google. Yes. And it wasn't because I went for Google. It's right. just because I just played a game. I was at the Beverly Hills Hotel and uh -huh. these gentlemen were talking about this Google search engine. Oh my and gosh. you type this in and you <laughs> type that in. And he was like, hey, I want to know about this. And yeah. they're like, what's up, Shaq? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then he just bought in. And the point was, it was just just being at the right time at the right place. Right. It's not that he fucking saw the right. future and predicted no. it all, you know, and, and, and people try to force duplicate this right. on easy money, right on easy money. And it's like, there's many ways of making money, but right. people don't want to take that no. route. The hard, the hard paths are always unsexy and boring. The people want the easy stuff. They want to have like magic, you know, lottery numbers or whatever. It's, just, it's the fantasy, I think of, of unearned wealth, which the weird thing I think is that the more unearned money is, the more likely you're gonna lose it. You didn't earn it, and therefore, at some level, at some part of your brain, you recognize it, and so there isn't the instinct to lock in your gains. You just spend it the way you earned it, casually, yeah. haphazardly. Yeah, easy come, stupidly. easy go. Whereas I think the smarter thing to do if you come into unearned money would be to bank it, invest it, figure out that, understand that you lucked into it, and so don't get cocky, don't get high on your supply, and find ways to build more enduring recurring sources of revenue. It sounds boring, and but it's yeah, like, yeah. I think that's the smarter way to to lock in wins and, and ensure that the the windfalls don't just simply disappear in a puff of smoke. Because I see a lot of guys do that. They they have early crypto wins, and it's like, oh, I got to get my Lamborghini or whatever. It's, it, it, and the thing is that the current contemporary social media environment really encourages that. You know, yeah. you want to, you see these crypto bros, you know, driving around in fancy cars and talking about, it, you know, crazy exotic vacations, hiring a bunch of, prostitutes to make it look like they're super baller players and it's like i mean i think at some level we're you know we all have our own insecurities we all feel like we could be doing better we want more money we want more beautiful women in our lives whatever but if you don't end up kind of managing your own egos keep yourself in check be better grounded more money is just going to put a giant like gasoline on this fire underneath of you that that all your insecurities would just get magnified you'll blow through it you're not going to get happier and now you'll be in debt with probably some tax problems or whatever. It's yeah, better to just stack, be be gracious, be humble, and be curious, constantly learning. And I think that's the best kind of attitude that ironically will ensure more wealth coming your way because the kind of people who might stumble into wealth because they're, they've got a chip on their shoulder or whatever, they tend to blow it, through it. I, it's just, you know, I think about little things that my grandfather would tell me and yeah. he'd say like, um, you know, you, the, the point of the story was there's seven years of, of fat cows. Yes. So they're the gonna, old they're exit story from right. the Bible. Yeah. But get ready for the seven years of the skinny cows. Right. You know, and, and protect yourself like that. Yeah. And, and, and I understand that balance, but I feel the way people are spending money or the way people are living nowadays, it's so much different. Oh yeah. You know, because people are, I mean, 
in some ways, people are minimizing their expenses, like not buying a house, not doing right. this, not getting into bigger debts. But right. then in other ways, we're buying all this materialistic bullshit. There's two separate tracks, I think, and this is, there's the, there are people that As you are, and I talk about with our multiple helmets and multiple yeah. motorcycles. We're probably in, a, in that category of yeah. their own way, but, yeah. but we're saving, we've, we're, we're providing for our families and whatnot. And it's, it's, there's a balance, but I think... We're also, there's two separate demographics. We, you know, the Instagram, the, there's a world of, perf- a lot of it's performative. A lot of the fancy stuff you see, they're not even owned by the people showing them off. They're rented. Everything is a prop. There are, in fact, a photo studio I remember seeing. This is one of these things that blew my mind. They actually have like a fake uh, private jet uh, photo studio where you can look like you're on a private jet. For yeah, Instagram I heard downtown LA yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can go there and act like, ooh, you know, I'm being served a fancy drink. I'm on a private jet. It's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a, literally, you're, you're paying to rent a fake prop to make it look like you're on a private plane, which... That's insane. And, that, and that's a business. You can actually make business charging wannabe influencers who clearly can't afford to be on a private jet or haven't been invited to one. And... It makes them look like they're big time players. Oh my gosh! And then they'll do a check in and like you know I'm on the beach in like you know Puerto Vallarta. It's like it's just Redondo no, Beach, yeah. but you're just like oh you just gotta crop out all the, the all you put was a Corona next yeah, to you. Yeah, I'm in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> I do a check in. I just change the location. It's like, but it's all performative. And so I think at some level we end up you know there's that saying of how like uh, we judge others by what they present and we judge ourselves by what we are. We judge others by, by what they show and what we judge ourselves by what we are inside. And so there's a constant comparison. We see their highlight mm. reels. We see their something. most shiny, mm. most well-presented and quite possibly fake version of themselves. But we know exactly how much money we have. We know exactly, you know, even if you have a fancy bike, if it breaks down, it's like, oh, I got to fix this. And this thing sucks. And this thing is... We know the frustrations that come with our toys, our lives, our houses, whatever supposedly luxurious things we have we don't see that you don't hear the guy with the bugatti complaining about how like you know the tires wear out at like 500 miles or whatever i mean they're very soft rubber tires they wear out immediately you don't see it and they're not going to sit online and cry and complain about how gas prices oh man right an oil change in a lamborghini is like about two grand did you know that you know i I just picked up a tesla Uh uh, the newer one nice nice I don't care for any fucking car in the world. I, I don't care. <laughs> okay. It's the fastest thing in the world. It like is. you, you want to race me? I'll race yeah. you. It's, it's the first vehicle I've ever had that performs better, like not better, but it performs just as good as a motorcycle. Mm. Like if I need to get in front and like zip through and just, right. it's got the power. Maximum And torque. at 80, 90 miles an hour, if I need more, it has it's it. more. It's got it in the tank. And, yeah. and Joe Rogan said it, you know, it, it makes other cars feel stupid. Mm. Like <laughs> I get in my truck, I was like, yeah. and I like my truck because it's, it's so different. Right. They're contrast. It, it's yeah. It's so it's a pickup truck and it's, and it's got yeah. the old shit. But the, the, but the Tesla, like fuck Lamborghini. Yeah. Or, I, I, I don't care. It's, it's a different experience, and I think what's going to happen in the future is we're going to have, uh, they're going to be enthusiasts that like gasoline-powered vehicles, and it's going to be all performance cars. It's going to be people that like stick shifts and whatnot, but like the market for like Accords and Camrys, or that's just going to go... Oh, it's going to plummet. That's going to plummet. Well, that, that, that's, that's, that's different. That, right. I think they're still going to exist to a certain extent, just mm-hmm. for the simple fact that the reason the Accords and the Civics and all that stuff, you know, be, were so popular mm. is because people would customize them to make them look like an expensive car. 
This, you that, know. That's like a, maybe like 5% of the Honda sales. Like the average Honda owner doesn't do that, right? Yeah, you, that's you, true. Those, that's they're the most true. visible things you see. But that's true. the average, they just blend in the background. You don't you don't notice it unless, you know, it's... it's yeah, they want it. The thing's reliable. Right. It does 500,000 miles. My parents, had, they just, they were buying Honda after Honda after Honda. It's like a reliable V. And of course, not, they don't modify it. That's, yeah, that's no, a waste no, of money. No, no. Yeah, but course. then they would ride, drive it to like 150,000 miles. And then it's like, okay, it's ready to die. All right, we're going to buy another one. And then they just ride that down up to like 100, some thousand miles. That's That's been their entire existence. And it's great. Yeah. But I think that, that will sense. go away because if you're if you don't care about performance if you don't care about if you just want to go from point a to point b inexpensive minimal you know, ongoing maintenance cost the electric uh, vehicles i think will definitely gobble up that marketplace tesla certainly do a fantastic job of it so yeah we'll see how that goes but yeah i'm, yeah, I'm my, seeing my, it. my brother would call me up and, and he'd be like what are you doing i'm like oh i'm customizing the, the harley yeah he's all cool man and then he'd call me up what are you doing i go oh, i'm ordering some parts for the truck and yeah. stuff and I'm like, it's okay and then what are you doing? And then, you know, this and that. And he's like, dude, can you buy something that you don't have to customize? And I know, man, are. I can. I yes. can. And I want to have mm. my personalized Elements vehicle to it. Right. And, and, and list. Fuck off. You know, and that, that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you're, have you yeah. customized your Tesla? You haven't. Yeah, I'm getting the windows tinted. On, oh. I'm getting the windows tinted All on right. Monday. Made oh, that okay. appointment. And then, uh, I mean, that, that, that there's nothing else to do. Exactly. That's there's it. Not, there's, it's got... And if they Fucking, had that as an option, it's in got the, the two factory? TVs. It's yeah. got Ace. It's got everything. Yeah, yeah. It's the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and then I want to bring this up. Yo, Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday was cool, huh? Yes, that was awesome. Where were we Wednesday? Bike shed. The oh, Lon- I've been in to the London? London one. No, well, the, yeah. the, the bike shed LA is the brand extension new. of a brand that was already in uh, established in London many years ago. I went to it actually in 2019. The London bike shed, and it's. It's a fun community. It's that they've managed to build a sort of, it's it's basically, for, it's a group for those who don't want to be a part of a motorcycle club. Right. right. It's, it's the MC for non-MC people. I mean, there are guys that want to ride, right? Yeah. right? And it's, it's, it's an interesting niche that they've managed to kind of really, really dominate. And so they've gotten a brand that's so powerful that when they throw their uh, bike shed annual events, they can draw 20,000 people yeah, around the month. world. That's coming up next month for them in, in London. And so that's something that uh, I was there in 2019 on my way to visit uh, the Isle of Man TT. So that yeah, was a fun experience. You, yeah, Stop nice. by there, then head on up to the Isle. Fantastic experience. Saw some amazing machines. Uh, met some cool people. And yeah, it, was, it was a good event. It was, And there, originally the bike show was supposed to be opening in LA in 2020, but because of the pandemic, and then there was all these like, Half open. Well, it's not going to open. No, we're going to open. No, we can't do it. Apparently, and the, this is the speech that Dutch gave um, when we were on the uh, members' opening night. He said that they, they got their liquor license like two hours before they officially like opened. Oh, for Thursday. Yeah. Like, apparently, I have a feeling yeah. that if they didn't get that permit, they would have just opened and just be like, okay, we'll just eat the fine because we're not going to have a bunch of people show up and then, no, we're right. not serving liquor. It's like no, 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 we're just serving. We'll just eat the fine later. But fortunately, two hours before they actually apparently got their liquor license formally approved, so they were. Just barely kosher. That, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I love what they did. Yeah. I really love the, the the simple fact that the like I went Friday. Yeah. I had like four or five people send me flyers. Yeah, and, you know, could show up. I showed up. Yeah, I, I was hooked. I was yeah. like, man, barber shop, nice store, clean. You yeah. know, tattoo shop, yeah. beautiful bar, friendly people. Yeah. you don't get that 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 shitty biker thing that you find out in other bars where right. it's like everybody's way too cool. Like, right. what are you doing here? Yeah. What do you want to drink, man? Hold on. Right. You know, everybody's it's like, not, oh. it's all kind of performative and cringe. And it's like, no, they're very friendly. Very it's, uh, friendly. 
It's very good ambassador. I think they're good ambassadors for the writing community, which is awesome yeah. because I feel like sometimes there's some kind of gruff types that are like, oh, you're not a real writer or whatever. It's like, oh. like dude, dude, look at your bike. You have 2,000 miles and it's yes. 10 years old. You're, you're yeah, not yeah, a yeah. writer. And that's what's crazy. It's like, it's like you have, you know, yeah. on brand new expensive bikes, you yes. have more mileage than most people. Yeah. You look at my bikes between the BMW and the Harley, which are two years old, I, yeah. I'm almost at 30,000. Yeah. Right. But. I don't look like a biker, you know. Right. I don't. I'm not all sleeve tats. I don't have like you know a fucking face. skull on my face, <laughs> and therefore it's like like one of my buddies calls me up and he does commercials on the on the Spanish networks. Okay, he's like I'm doing a music video for so and so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we're looking for the biker look. Okay, and I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm you can't get more biker than me. Like right. I got vest this that. Well, the look, you know, we're right. going more like, yeah, like, dude, yeah. Okay, anyway. you got to look like an extra from uh, from Sons right. of Anarchy, and it's like right. Uh, so then, I, so then I refer to a bunch of my friends. That's right. like, you know, do have the aesthetic, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're all new writers, right. which is crazy, you know. But yeah. they're they're doing good. Like one, yeah. of my, shout out to my buddy Trevor okay. Welder. He's fucking killing it. Nice. Like, he's making a name for himself, and good. he's doing more. He's doing better than most people that I know that jump into the game. That's awesome. But bike shed. What I like about that is. When you go and you meet up, usually some Harley riders, yeah. everybody's nice. But mm -hmm. there's always this like, oh, you have to have beers in your saddlebags. Right. You have to go to this event. You right. got to dress like this. Right. Uh, and, and, and that sometimes doesn't fit with me. Right. Or most of the time it doesn't fit yeah. with me. And then with the BMW, everybody's so fucking technical. Everybody's right. so I mean, like, it's better to run your BMW at 5,000 RPMs right. between the speeds. Of the, and it's like, dude. You're just getting relax. too technical. Right. Like, let's it's, just enjoy. The, you know, it's, it's the journey, not the destination. But some people that that's what they geek out about. That's what they, they do geek have, out and that. it's like, all right, but you the, know. but it gets when you start judging people by their that's geekiness. Annoying. Yeah, it's, it's like, like oh, you dude, didn't know about this. You know, you what? know the peak RPM is. Da, 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 and then you can do this like, why are you using your back brake? You're yeah. not supposed to. Like, yeah, dude, like, come yeah, on. yeah. They're what like they're nitpicking you because it's a sense of wanting to feel superior. Right. It's like oh, I know something you don't, and therefore I'm gonna I'm you I'm not I'm not really giving you advice. I'm letting you know that I know more than you. Right. And I'm just kind of do, wrapping it in this patronizing kind of a thing. And it's like, well, first of all, I didn't ask for advice, one. And two, like, okay, yeah, you know more than me. Congratulations. Here's yeah, fucking, yeah. And right. if you're going to show me something, there's ways of showing it without, without being fucking, a dick. Or without being a dick about right. it. But, but the point guys, is, that's is the, point like, of, the point of it is being a dick. Right. It's that's flexing on you. It's like, I yeah. know more than you. And, you know, you, you're not even worthy of this machine. I know more about this than you do. And I don't even ride one of these things. It's da, 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 yeah. Like, all but, right. but so far with bike shed, I haven't seen. I haven't that. got that so, vibe. So number one, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Number two, everybody's super friendly, super fucking it's a good cool. vibe. Let's keep. that. I like the fact that people have. Most people have multiple bikes. Yeah. And most people have been riding for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Shit, it's not. It's not cheap and it's not expensive. Right. But you know, it's 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 like right there. It's gonna yeah. weave out a lot of fucking people. Right. Um. You know. So I like the community. I like I like the members lounge. Yeah, I like the green nice room. Lounge. I like the upstairs. I I really want to do like two three events. Oh, like yeah. I want to. Do, I've I'm got like, some events I already got in my head as well. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing my birthday there. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking about doing an art show. You know, because you know, oh, you, yeah, yeah. You, you went to the oh, art show. Oh yeah, last no, time. that was an amazing art show. Yeah, imagine, beautiful. Imagine it right oh, there. That would fucking that work. That'd be nice. That'd, That'd be, be nice. so fucking beautiful. And That'd then just have a bunch tight. of people bring like beautiful bikes, and then the regular guests are gonna be like, "Whoa, oh, this is so awkward yeah. and weird, but cool." Yeah. You know. So you know, there's so much potential for that fucking spot. Absolutely. We're actually. On the topic, one thing that we're going to be doing, still in the process, but we're we're there's two parts of what I'm of an event I'm planning now for uh, upcoming. I was able to secure a early showing of the upcoming movie, finally Top Gun Maverick. Everyone yes. else, you're going to be watching yes. it in theaters on May 27th. Was able to secure permission from Paramount Studios 
to show it two days early. We're going to show wow. it. On the 25th? 25th. May 25th, Wednesday. Literally the first in the world to see it in two theaters. Two days prior two to days the prior world. Two days prior to the world. In a private theater. In a private theater, fully uh, fully uh, kitted out. And so that, we're going to... We're, we're, so that's locked in. That's locked in. We're, we're looking at exactly what we need to do to make it, like, uh, probably we'll have to make it at a members-only event for the at the bike shed. We want to do an event there as a... We're going to watch... want to watch Top Gun 1 there kind of yes. get caught up right yes. watch it together big screen popcorn drinks whatever yeah it. yes and then after that we close up get on our bikes and ride into the theater to watch top gun 2 oh that's, the same day you yeah same do- day we're not do the same day so it's gonna be the afternoon so this is people who have yes. the flexibility to watch top gun 1 it would be like maybe 3 p.m to 5 p.m everyone kind of wraps up and then we get on our bikes and then we roll Right into the that theater. Is the f- awesome screen time for the uh, for the, the show is going to be six thirty. So we'll have enough time to kind of get settled in. So so, so what are the details? Is is this uh, so the, sh- the the Top Gun one? It's it's going to be a bike shed. At thing. bike shed and maybe is members it, only. We may be able to br- an existing member may be allowed to bring in X number of guests. I mean, I'm a member. I can bring in a like few a plus guests. One, plus one, plus two. Plus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we figured that part out. And then uh, that's still not confirmed yet, by the way. I need to get permission from Bike Chess. So I don't want to pre- preemptively announce that it turns out it can't work, but we're, we're working on it. It should happen. And then, um, and so that's, that's, we're doing that. And then the formal event, the fundraiser for the Citizen Medic Foundation, that starts at uh, 6.30. Um, Citizen Medic, yes. you said, right? What's Citizen Medic? Citizen Medic is a nonprofit organization that I founded in uh, 2010. Uh, excuse me. The idea occurred to me in 2010. I gave a TED Talk on it in 2013. It's formally incorporated in 2019. And we've, uh, we teach first aid to dis- and disaster preparedness to people outside the medical community, it, getting people from level zero to level one, getting people literate. And so this particular project, this fundraiser, is, is raising money for a project of increasing first aid literacy for motorcycle riders. Yep. I mean, we're in a pretty dangerous uh, activity, and the 99% of riders don't know anything, anything about how to patch a wound, how to slow down a bleed, how to deal with emergency response, how, what information to tell you, them. You know which one that, that caught me that blew my mind away Yo. that people always default to is yeah. if somebody has an accident and like let's say a screwdriver's in their fucking leg yeah. or, or a metal bar or something, right. naturally everybody's you know, trying to yank it out. Is to yank it out. And, and, and it's, it's, it's so dumb. It's not dumb. It's just, it, it's silly that we don't go further into thinking, but it's human nature to right. pull it out. It's something but that's not supposed p- to be there. It's like, right. well, that's also holding in their blood. It's so in their blood. if you yank it out with nothing, just t- patch it up all of a sudden, he's right. leaking X amount of blood. Now it's like 5X that. Five, exactly. And, 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 and that's that's the simple stuff that I do appreciate about first aid. I used yes. to be a lifeguard. Yes. And I used to do our first aid CPR classes all right. the time. The other one, very simple, very simple. But once you go to a class, you're like, oh, okay. But yeah. people don't practice. Right. Is when there's an emergency, mm-hmm. you can't say, someone call 911. You with the black shirt, call 911. Nobody's going to do it. Exactly. Everybody's assuming somebody else is doing it. So exactly. no one does it. It's like 10 minutes later. Why didn't anyone call? Why well, I thought someone else was going to call. And now you got 10 minutes passes exactly. by the time they so show you up. Got, you got a point just like you said. Yeah. Black shirt, hat, Call night, you know. Yeah, whatever. you. It could be anybody, but now that that responsibility is on an individual, not just diffuse. So these are things we want to do. We're going to have uh, a series of classes both at the bike shed and also uh, Dynasty in, uh, in LA. So we're going to awesome. have basically free workshops where because the, the, the other problem is that, and you've sat in these first day classes, is that the conventional class, which is designed around a certificate, you finish a five hour class and you get the certificate to go through a whole bunch of modules. 
for them to issue you that certificate that says that you've completed all these courses, ask a writer to sit down and listen to a lecture for five hours and 99% of be like, yeah, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. And I get it. Right. it's like, it's, it's just, there's a lot of stuff that if like infant CPR, if you don't have a kid, it's useless to you. If you yeah. have a kid, you care a lot about it. But <laughs> yeah. if you don't, it's like yeah. it's just considered a waste of time. And that's a, you know, a lot of these things are not going to be relevant for a writer. And so what we're doing is a non-certificate class, about 45 minutes, and it's specifically focused around trauma related to bike injuries, period. That is good. And that way, it's, it's enough time. We're gonna You're not going to have a CPR doll in the, in the lounge. <laughs> the <bar laughs> that comes later. Yeah, that comes later. Uh, but but the, I think... That's the whole idea is getting people from level zero to level one. And because conventional first aid education is so much about focusing on getting that cert. Everyone needs to get a cert. It's like, well, most people, if every, I mean, I've taught these classes before. People that are there for the cert, they're there because their job requires it. No one gets it. Very few people get it just because, oh, it'd be a useful thing to do. People sit in a five-hour class because if you don't get the cert, you don't get to keep your job. That's yeah. why I like being a lifeguard, being a babysitter, being, you know, flight attendants, personal trainer. A lot of these jobs, they require the cert. And if your cert expires, you lose your job. You have right. to re-up. And that's why people do it. And it's like, that's fine. That itself is a business. But beyond that, who among us wouldn't want to be able to save a life of someone we love? I mean, like, that's universal unless you're some complete, like, Ted Kaczynski recluse. There's going to be people you love that you'd be devastated if you're just sitting around with your hands in your pocket watching yeah, them die. And so that we're trying to fill that gap, basically. As an organization, our job it's, is to fill that super, gap. It's super important. And, so. and, and, and it feels good. I, I saved this lady's life. Uh, I, was at a, um, I was at a banquet hall, and it was somebody's birthday. And, yeah. you know, it, was an Ar- it was an Armenian banquet hall, so lots of food, yes. lots of alcohol, yes. lots of everything. And uh, this lady gets up. And remember, you know, Armenian men are tough. Yeah. Brr, you know, they smoke. <laughs> They're tough men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This lady gets up and starts choking. Oof. Everybody started screaming like girls. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Started screaming like girls. Ah! Everybody's yeah, jumping yeah, yeah. on phones. You yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's people, you know, fuck the police too. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, everybody's calling 911. Oh, right? boy. Okay, well, at least that part's done. Yeah, so that part. But everybody was in a path. Freaking and, out. and I just run up to her, grab her, you know. Do the Heimlich beaver. Gets it out, coughs it out. Nice. Save her. Everybody, like, you know, and then oh, they're yeah. very giving people. So right. everybody was like, oh, here, yeah. and take that. And it, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. But it, it, it's amazing that in a room of, Let's say over a hundred people. You're the only one knew what to do. The one non-Armenian, and it's the one non-Armenian guy, right? And it's funny because you think if I was to guess, there was probably well, whatever. That, that's there might be, yeah, yeah. But, so, but the point of it is that the point, yeah, getting people up to that speed and think so. That's the foundation's purpose, and so we're doing a fundraising event. So this would be so. Top Gun is going to be amazing. We have as we're speaking. There's an AGV helmet being painted with the Maverick colors. That's going to be one of our auction items. That's beautiful. I was on the phone earlier with a gentleman who may be able to get us. He has a pilot friend who owns a World War II's era like fighter plane, and he says we might have that as an auction item for a ride up in a World War II plane around up. Uh, w- w- wow. There's a lot of fun auction be- items we're working on, basically. That's going to be a lot of fun. We have a, um, and we'll have a lovely hostess who is um, a former Miss Wisconsin who will be doing a, she'll be the hostess greeting the guest and everything. And her hair will be done up like the style, in the style of like Kelly McGinnis from, uh, from the original Top Gun movie. Yeah. It's going to be a fun evening of nostalgia. And how do we sign up for this? I, I know it's on the TV screen, but there's also, there's also the podcast listeners. What, yes. What's, what's the site? How the do website we is going to be, topgun.eventb, B-E-E, like the insect, dot com. So it's topgun.eventb, 
B as in boy, E-E.com. And we'll put in the show notes as well for, so that it'll be easy for people. And, is, and is it just the flat rate or is there different? There's like, a couple of tiers. We're going to have like, uh, we have, we, we put the uh, sponsor tickets as like uh, the, the Viper tickets and the uh, Jester tickets. Those are going to be for probably more of the corporate. Um, we're looking, we're talking for you corporations about this. And, and then the regular, there's like the fully reclining seats in the back, which would be 160 bucks. And then there's the seats in the front, which are kind of half recline, and those would be, I think, about 105, 120, I think. Awesome. So those, we're going to have, it's a finite number of seats, like 70 seats total, are, and that's it. The seat will be, we're probably going to be sold out by the end of April. So that's the, that's the short version, and, and yeah, we're, we're super excited. It's going to be an amazing night, and we've got a couple of the fun surprises I'm working on that uh, we'll, we'll be able to show once, the, uh, once we get all the confirms of, uh, of the folks on the other side. So it's going to be an amazing That's event. That's very exciting. Yeah. I, I know everybody listening to this, everybody at the bike show we were just talking about yeah. on the on the weekend ride and yeah. on Wednesday. Uh, very exciting. Yeah. It's been a long... When was Top Gun out? 1988, 87? 1986. May no. 12th, 1986. That was when Top was Gun... Was it? Yes. Tom Cruise looks exactly the same. <laughs> Not quite, but he aged well. I mean, by the way, have you have seen the photos of uh, Kelly McKenna? Yes. Yes. Was, I feel like he's a vampire. He just took her energy. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. No, no, he something. looks amazing. Like, I mean, like, he's what, 55 now, 54, something like. So he's definitely like mid, or mid to early 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Looks insanely good. Outstanding. Scientology. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something. But, uh, but yeah, so he, and then the, I'm really excited to see the plot line because we're be looking at all the trailers because we've seen all the trailers, right? I mean, the Top, Top Gun was supposed to come out in 2020. Right. It's supposed to come out 2020 and pandemic hit. Then it's like, okay, we're, are we going to do digital? No, we're not doing digital. And then it's like, okay, well, everything is opening up end of the year. Okay, then we'll do. They had like four or five different official release dates that was supposed to, it's happening, it's happening. Okay. And then, oh, it's not happening. Oh, it's happening. No, it's not happening. And every time it's happening, a new trailer comes out. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, we're all psyched. No, it's not happening. It's like, <laughs> so for now, like the last obstacle has been eliminated. And so for sure, for sure. Opens the public on May 27th, and for us, it will be May 25th. May 25th evening. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time, and we're super, super psyched about about all the little pieces that are all kind of slowly falling in place. Uh, I've got a couple of friends actually that are flying in from uh, out of town on their private jets just to come to this thing. That's amazing. <laughs> one one from uh, from Vegas, and one from uh, from the Bay Area, and so they've got uh, the little prop planes and. I think uh, my friend up in the, the Bay Area, he's got a, I forget, the Grumman, I can't remember the exact model. Again, I'm not a plane guy, so, but he's like, no, this is like the World War II era, da, 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 whatever. It's, it's, it's military themes. Like, okay, wow, this guy's like on point for, the, for his airplane, tra- airplane transport. I'm like, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty baller. I'm, I'm not in the airplane I world. I wonder how, how many more airplanes will be flying that week. Oh, man. <laughs> you know All I mean? Interest and pilot schools are going to go up. You know, here's a funny thing that people don't realize this, but the original Top Gun, it was designed as a military recruitment. That was, that's why they got the access they did. The U.S. military gave them camera access, and they also had editing privileges so that, you know, we don't want anything that you know, speaks ill of the U.S. military. And I'm old enough that I remembered when Top Gun won. That's why I know the exact year. When Top Gun 1 came out in theaters, they coordinated it so that a whole bunch of military recruiters were actually hanging around outside of movie theaters in their dress whites with clipboards. And 
tons of like 15, 16 year old boys would be crowding them. They'd be able to clipboards like, okay, you're 15 now, you know, your birthday is when, okay, here's your number. I'll call you in like two years or whatever. And so they got military yeah, recruitment tons. shot up like 70%. Yeah. But that's also, they were, they were doing uh, the football, you know, yeah. football stadiums yeah. and flying in yeah, skydivers, yeah. US army, you know, but I mean all that, and they were all, paying for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean like this thing, just of all the things they've ever done, this just shot it way up in terms of interest in recruitment, the, the amount of leads they got. And so it's, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, thinking about, I mean, it even increased military recruitment in other countries. Yeah. Everyone, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend from Italy and he goes, yeah, in Italy, the Italian army suddenly got a spike of interest. I was like, where did this? Go? Oh, 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 we know why. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I wonder how much that plays nowadays, you know, like compared to 20, 30 know. years ago, because social media is really fucking up a it's lot of things. It's very different. So I don't think it'll have the same impact. But you it'll know, have an impact. There's no question sure. about that. But the percentage but, but, but will be I, not the I same. I would love, like, what, 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 what percentage would you guess? Like, I have no idea. That's such like a... Just, no, just to guess. Like, let's, let, let's, say, let's say it sparked up in a point of business, you know, 30% back then. Right. You know, like, that's pretty high. 30, right. 40% of your recruitment, it's humongous. Right. That's right. even too much, maybe. Right. But now, like, what? It's gonna be but like, I think it also may increase... Because I, I know people that are kind of that military mindset, and a lot of them... It's, it's more large I know I know the question you're asking I have a more kind of a meta view of it like there's there's some uh, the kind of people that would have gone to the military before they're very disillusioned with the way the military is and so I don't think this will help it right. will maybe increase interest in people who are not military people at all but they want to be like support services they want to oh I get that there's benefits there and they're there for that I remember there's a great monologue at the beginning of the movie um the the Tom another Tom Cruise movie Jack Reacher when he was talking he was talking about when he was investigating a murder and he was talking about the uh, the murder being a potential uh, in the military he says there's there's four different kinds of people in the military there's the kind of people who do it because it's in their blood their father did it their grandfather did it it's just expected of you if you're a man and you're in this family you go in the military there's a the kind of people that do it for the paycheck they are there because it's benefits I get college i get my health insurance i get the va afterward it's a financial decision there's the third kind the kind that do it for the flag it's for patriotism i want to serve my country i'm a good american and finally there's the fourth type the kind who just wants a legal excuse to kill people and it's a convenient way to mm. channel their homicidal urges so it was a it was a great monologue i'm kind of but how many it. people and i see your points yeah excellent points yeah but, but but i've heard i heard there's a big statistic that most people that join the military they don't even see war yeah that's true o- over the history yes, of yeah. that's right the av- i mean there's maybe about one to two percent of the military that's actually like what they call tip of the spear people that are actually yeah. you know you everyone goes to range and shoots and whatever but it's like how many people are actually on in the a situation on yeah. the battlefield unless you're a marine Right, <laughs> yeah. Marines, you know, Delta. Like, there are specific people that you're you're there to do the actual like blowing shit up, killing people, the stuff that military is. You know, the things we associate with the military. But there's a lot of logistics. There's a lot of you know, for every one of those, you need a bunch of people handling the transport, the refueling, fixing the planes, fixing broken stuff, medical, food. There's just and then everyone's got to get fed, so you got to have. This, this, the amount of cooks within the military, yeah. which are technically uniformed officers and, and, and enlisted men, but they're you're preparing food. So it, it's on? a weird, it's a weird, complicated question. I mean, so obviously with all those four archetypes, you know, the last two are going to probably be the ones that are most interested in the shooty parts of it. The first two, it's like, okay, look, dad, I'm in the military. Yeah, I'm a cook. I'm a chef, whatever. I fix the planes, but I'm in the military. I got a uniform. I got a rank. I got, I get discharged with like my honorable discharge for serving my country. 
But it's the last two that I think is the most interesting in terms of, of um, both positive and negative stories that come out of it is the kind of people that are either like, I'm here to serve, there's a sense of honor and, and whatnot, and the ones that they like killing. And it's like, well, if I'm a killer in, the, in a civilian world, I could get busted. If I, if I put on a uniform and I kind of obey orders and kind of do shit on the slide to off people that I don't like, I can get away with it. Yeah, and that's the, that. Interestingly, from a military standpoint, that's the person you have to be like most vigilant and screening for. So there's a whole fascinating conversation about that as well. I, I mean, it's a it's a whole rabbit hole that uh, that may be worth going into one day. But that's kind of my own view of military: is that the recruitment. So who, which which of the four are you drawing in with these kinds of videos? It's right. not just like raw. Well, numbers. the Air Force ones is always different. You know, like right. like the like the Air Force is always uh, it, they're known to be like. Most people Softest go to the Air Force. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the smartest. In a sense, the smartest. Yes. You know, most of them go to NASA afterwards. Yep. You know, they, they do, you know, stuff in government. Right. You know, but They're yeah. all different filtering mechanisms. And then, I mean, in this case with Top Gun, they are naval aviators, not Air Force. But right. yes. It's, right. But then, then you get into stuff like Secadio or something like, oh, oh wait a minute. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> that's, that's straight motherfucking murder. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of darker stuff that goes on as far as, far as military. Like the, yeah, there's military ones that are dark very dark fucking dark yeah i don't think sicario had like any sort of formal and, and, approval from like any and, u.s military and, and, and i and i love how in all those all those uh movies it's yeah. always like the the closest brothers the backstabber of course it's like, i'm sleeping with your wife too what yeah. the fuck you backstab me and you're sleeping with my wife well it you makes know? better dramatic story arcs right if it's just yeah. a but, random it's, but it's always the same thing it, it's right. always like Brother, yes. they did us wrong. Yeah, I have a friend that yeah. knows somebody that works for government that's doing bad. And, and it turns out to be the guy. Yeah, it's like, oh, all right. not again. Yeah. You got me. Yeah, you like, know? Yo, it's, it's, I guess I like <laughs> I like the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith because it kind of makes fun of that dynamic, right? They're right. both secret agent assassins that happen to be married. They're thinking they were married to civilian, and it's like, oh my god, you too. What? I had no idea. I have yeah. access to all the information in the whole wide world, yeah. and so do you. But we didn't know what because love. But I'm gonna kill you now, nah. Yeah, that that's always. It was a, a good movie. It was it was a, it was a fun. It it made fun of that dynamic. I think it's it's, it's it goes into that in a in a very goofy and, and fun, if somewhat comical way. I, I just saw well, fuck. I just saw this movie called Moon Moon Structure. Okay. Yeah, Moon Structure. Tell me about it. Yeah, it, it's it's very. It's an interesting movie. Okay. It's, it's all it, it, realistic. That I mean, I don't want. It's kind of a spoiler, but okay. it's not a spoiler. But it's some kind of um, AI at the okay. end of the day or something, right. right? But the point of the movie, the reason it just reminded me of it is yeah. because there's a lot of military presence. Right. You know, there's a lot of NASA. Yeah. Obviously, it's the moon. <laughs> but it was obviously they didn't have enough time to film it like mm. a Netflix movie where okay. you can get entailed with that, right? Here, you're kind of like, oh, they did that because they have no time. Right. Oh, they're doing that because they have no time. You're cutting corners. You can and see it. And the acting's <laughs> kind of silly. Mm. But once it ends, that last sentence, you're like, oh, this wasn't, this was kind of entertaining and good. You know? So I, I kind of, anyways, yeah. there's movies that make those little points. One, one series that I love that I wished it got the traction, I, it really got poorly marketed. But I loved it so much. I'm reintroducing my wife. We're watching it together now. It's a, it's a series that came out um, 10 years ago now called Awake. So the, pres- the premise of it is that it's a detective, a police detective, horrible car accident, rollover, whatever. He wakes up in the hospital and the doctor's, hey, man, you were in a really terrible car accident. Um, your son is alive and your wife is dead. Really sorry, you know. You want to see your son? He's kind of banged up, but he's you know. He go visits them. You know, talks about the dead mom. They're crying, whatever. And then he goes to sleep. He wakes up in a hospital, 
the doctor comes to him and says, hey, man, you were in a terrible car accident. Your wife's alive and your son is dead. So he's basically, every time he goes to sleep, he alternates reality. The accident happens, and mm. then his reality splits. Every time he goes to sleep, he wakes up in the other reality. In one reality, his wife is dead and his son is alive. In the other reality, his son is alive, his wife is dead. Wow. And so, and you're, and so the story follows the detective. You're sitting here. How emotionally fucked It's up, an huh? amazing story because you, you, you see his confusion. In each story, he's a, in each timeline, in each reality, he's a police officer. And they, hey, listen, you had a terrible car accident. We need to sign. Yeah, but like in one supposed. reality, you know, his wife dies and then he moves on and he has two new girlfriends and he's got his kid. <laughs> but then the other one, like, it's, no, I'm kidding. It's, and so then, and so then in the series, they also it's have a joke. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. In the series also, because he's a police officer and it's like, oh, you had a pretty traumatic event. We're going to assign you a psychotherapist. And so in each one, he has a psychotherapist he's, he's talking to. And he explains in each set the reality, like, hey, listen, so I've been having these dreams where my wife or my son is still alive. And the therapist says, okay, we get it. It's a coping mechanism. But remember, this is the real world. And that, you need to let it go. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to go on with your life. And he's like, that's what the other therapist said. Oof, yeah. So it's, it's, it's so well. And so what the other thing they do to help the viewer keep track of it is that when they shoot it, the reality where the wife is alive, they use sort of an orangey filter. And then this reality where the sun is alive, it's kind of a blue filter. So you can always tell which one he's in. And it just alternates back and forth, back and forth. He goes to sleep. Who That's wakes good up, directing. Goes to sleep, wakes yeah. up. Right. And it's, he's, he's a great, you know, he's a detective. And so he's still working on cases. And then some of so, the more reality so, bleeds back and forth where he's working on a case in one reality. But then information in his other world ends up helping him solve the case he's working on. Here's a way. Is it, is it a fake? If it's fake, then right. why is information there actually valid and real? Is it, is it like... When he's awake mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. his other reality is like asleep. And then when he gets to sleep here, it kind of like... It's unclear. It, the, the whole thing is it, it, it keeps teasing that. like, And you're trying to figure it out as well because you're only seeing it from his perspective. Every time he goes to bed, he wakes up and it's an alter, it's just, it just alternates. He knows that if he sleeps next to his wife, he's going to wake up. His wife's not going to be there and his son's bedroom is suddenly going to be filled again. And the other reality, his wife is like there and she's like, I want to move. I can't keep walking past this empty bedroom. I can't stand it. we got to sell this house. And so there's all the tension between, because he's like, as far as I'm concerned, you're both alive. Yeah. And so, and then in the, in the reality where the son is, is alive, he's like, dad, you know, I mean, it's been a couple of months. Like you, you should go and find somebody. You deserve to be happy. And then he's like, he's, he sees this woman. He's attracted to her. But it's like, it feels like cheating. Cause if I have sex with her, I wake up next to my wife. I'll feel like a piece of shit. Oh my God. Yeah, so that, there's a whole thing. It's, it's really well scary. done where all the emotions are just kind of like running back and forth. And he's, Originally, he was telling his wife about it. You know, I've been having dreams of our son. And his wife's like, I don't want to hear about it. His, our son is dead. You keep talking about it. It's like torturing me. Stop. Stop. I, mean, I, I can't keep you from having your dreams, but I don't want to hear about it anymore. Our son is dead. Stop talking about him. And so it's, it's all these kinds of emotional conversation that this guy's kind of has to filter out as he's going through. So well done. And it didn't get... Partially, I think, what... what kept it from succeeding was there's so much density of detail. Every shot has little subtle things. And if you're not, if you're like on your phone device, talking to somebody, you're missing details, oh, you're going to miss a bunch of stuff and it's going to get confusing because the little things will set up. Like the payoff comes like three episodes later and, but every detail matters. And so you have to watch it and just have no distractions, no phones or anything. But I mean, I'm watching with my wife and I'm like pausing. Like, hey, this, did you notice that? No, let me zoom back a bit. Did you see that thing you did? It's going to come to, you know, in 30 minutes, yeah. you'll see why I asked you to look at that thing. And then it comes like, oh, shit. So that's, I think, why in an easily distractible age, if you just kind of watch it casually or you stumble into it at episode two or three, you'll be like, this, what? what's going uh, on? This doesn't even make sense. Right. 
So that's awake. Love, love, love that series. So we're like one episode in, and it's like a ten. But because it didn't get the traction it deserved, one season, no, they they didn't continue with it. But the story does end. But they were trying to like bait like a season two, and that never happened. So I was like, yeah. But anyway, fantastic, fantastic storytelling. I, I highly recommend. I was. I'll check it out. Yeah, I I have have to check it out. I usually don't watch much, but yeah, you know, just watch the trailer, see it, you know, see what you think of it, and then yeah, the first, it's it's a it's like when I see seasons, I get scared. Yeah, right. Fuck, man. It's a huge commitment. There's no commitment here. It's literally 10 10 episodes. Yeah, and it's it's also if you're you know if you're in a relationship, you can you can have it, it sparks a lot of fascinating conversations as a parent, right? It's like you know the emotions of. Because that's the thing. Imagine like losing a kid, and now you walk past your kid's room, and it's empty. Mm. Like, right? Did you you see? uh, I haven't seen it, but Mm. a buddy of mine keeps talking about it, and it it, kind of bothers me. So Mm. I I don't want to see it. Yeah. But deep water. Deep water. No. That it's it's Ben. It's It's Ben Affleck and uh, losing a losing a kid. And no, no, no. Okay. I I don't want to say worse. It's not worse, but it's pretty bad. Okay. And uh, the the Cuban girl. uh, something Adamas. She okay. was the James Bond girl. Oh, okay, okay. The, the Cuban girl. Okay. And it's just about they're marrying. Yeah. And she's fucking everybody, oh, like in front oh. of him. And he's like watching. And then it starts like, and he's like, you know, and he kind of accepts it, but it's so provocative. Right. I was just watching the trailer. I was like, I can't watch this. Yeah, man. That's I'll fucking, I'll, I'll go crazy. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? And, and he's like, bro, you don't understand how like, like, you know, and, and this is a single, my friend's a single guy, but yeah, he's yeah. like, even him, he was like, right. you gotta watch it. It was well done yeah. in that sense. And I was like, no, I saw that trailer. I go, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. That trailer was enough to piss, yeah. you know, make any man murder. Yeah. It's like, I get it. Right. Yeah. It's like now here is a situation where it's like, okay, well, if you're, it's, it's interesting. All of these kinds of emotional journeys that, that, uh, this is one of the things I think that as, as men, one of the hard things is how do you process and sort out emotions in a healthy way? I think there's a, there's this whole like, oh, it's okay for men to cry, whatever. That that element, it's like a weird overcorrection from the stoic, like, okay, well, you know, it's there's a pl- time and place to be emotional. And then now we overcorrect in the direction of, oh, you know, you can express yourself. It's, it's manly to cry in front of your woman or whatever. It's like, no, is it's it not. though? No, no, it's not. It's I mean, not. It's, it's like, no, not like never cry, but it's like, okay, there's stuff that's emotionally devastating. You you, you sort that out you, you, among you your brothers. You gotta deal with it. Yeah. Exactly. And okay. among your trust. And I think that's something that we don't really have anymore. And the other thing, I think this is one of the things that I've, I feel has been damaged a lot of male friendships is that it's before it's like you can have close male friends. Now it's like, oh, it's okay if you're gay. It's like we're, we're not fucking. We're just spending a lot of time together because we like each other. Oh, it's, right. like, you know, it's like you must be in the closet. It's like, and then that becomes a thing where every single close male friendship has this sort of this, this edge. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's also like not every close male friendship has some secret like behind the scenes. Oh, you don't have to be ashamed of, of the fact that you're, it's, it's the modern age and whatever. It's like, yeah, that, that had nothing to do with it. But now you create this weird tension between guys where you can't spend time together or whatever because it's the implication. So that creates some weird, uh, so much judgment, right? So much judgment, right? And it becomes, and that's that. That's I think that's something that we we need to kind of be better at sorting out and be able to. I got a buddy of mine. He got out of the military, and and they have those little saying and shit. And yeah, he, you know. And then uh, I'm like, "That's gay, bro." Yeah. And he's all, "It's only gay if you like it." Ah! I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he said it, the way he's like, "It's only gay if you like it." Like, like he didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it was so fucking funny. So it's become oh God, a, it's it's terrible. <laughs> makes sense, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, shout out man. to Gene. Gene, 
<laughs> I'll just leave great. it at that. And Good then, uh, and then uh, another thing I want to talk about. We'll, we'll end up on this topic because yes. I want to bring something up. But yeah. you were talking about you put in the bid for your Ducati. Yes. And as your your wife is pregnant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and you don't you, you just put in this bid because it's kind of like an eBay thing where you're like I'm not going to win this. Like this is too good to be true. Right. You win, and then and then so I mean I've got I have friends that are like multimillionaires. Their wives don't work. They provide the entirety of the household toys, everything, and they would still have to like run things by their wives. And if they bought something and the wife didn't know about it ahead of time, they would get mad at them. Whatever, right? And so I'm sitting here like I'm not anywhere near that level of wealth. And I'm, I was like the low ball bid and it's like, oh, okay, I'm not going to win this. Oh my God, I won this thing. So I told my wife like, hey, listen, uh, so that, that Ducati I was talking about, it turned out my low ball bid was the high bid. And then her first word out of her mouth was, oh, so you got that thing you wanted. Because she's like, I know you, you're, you're, you don't like pay full price for anything. So clearly you got a really good price. So that's pretty good. That's like right out of her mouth, not like, what did you do? Why did you wear oh, Another just motorcycle, like, we're about to have a baby. Exactly. Literally, like any other guy. And when I mention this to other motorcycle riders, they're so salty. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> they're so mad. Yeah, for, for, There's no way. How do you do? So, so in 2009, my oldest, uh, my, my, my ex-wife, mm. she, was, she was pregnant. Yep. And uh, it was 2009. I was working at the Harley Davidson dealer in Van Nuys. Okay. And I bought what? to me at that point was the last motorcycle I was going to own because right. I was going to have a newborn baby right. and that's it. So it was a 2000, it was a 2008 mm. uh, road glide. Okay. And this is when road glides weren't cool. Like this is like when they were about to stop it okay. and clockworks went started making a windshield okay. and that kind of made it cool. And right. then I started fixing it up because I was at the dealer. Right. right. So I fix it up. My son's going to be born in one week. Oof. And, and this is a shout out to uh, Kevin James. Ah. Uh, Kevin James comes in. And, um, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to Boston. I'm going to ride my motorcycle and I'm going to go on the, you know, RV, blah, blah, blah. It's going to follow me. And, you know, I'm going to ride up there. Yep. And, and my other buddy, Dean, Dean Del Rey, he's a comedian. He's a badass. We nice. started doing comedy together nice. uh, back in the days. Uh, he starts telling Kevin James, like, you don't want to go on this. Like, I think it was a Dyna. Okay. So you don't want to ride a Dyna to Boston. Mm. You want to go on something like this. Mm. And Kevin James is like, you're right. This is nice. Look at the shield. Look at this. Look at that. I'll take it. Dean comes running to me. And he goes, hey, Kevin James wants to buy your bike. And I say, hey, I'm not selling it. My son's going to be born next week. If my son's born and I don't have a bike in my possession, I'll probably never be able to get a motorcycle. Like the end, especially when you're working at a dealer, you don't make much money. right? Yes. So anyways, they go back and forth. Uh-huh. Kevin James is kicking tires. And, and, and let me remind you, in 2009, Harley was still like what you see is what you get right if you want to put a deposit on something and wait a long time Mm -hmm. you could do that but you're not gonna walk into any dealer and get whatever you want yep long story short dean comes up to me and he says uh he'll cut you a check 30 grand and i was like here's the keys here's the pink slip thank you very much this that that and then uh i ended up buying um Two two days later, mm. Dean found an FX DXT, which again they weren't that popular. Right but now, they're fucking gold. And this attorney in Beverly Hills bought it from Glendale Harley. Spent like fifteen thousand dollars. Nice. And uh, I picked that up for like twelve. Nice. And I was like, all right, cool. So now I have this bike. Plus, you had a was profit. Born, you got a little- and I had a profit. And. Life was good. Life Kevin was James, good. you need to be on the podcast. <laughs> I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about that Boston trip. Uh, that sounds awesome. So, but Things I, have a way of working out, I think. If you have the right vibe and the right mojo, I think that's been something that has worked out well for me. And the, it's, 
it's interesting because I, a lot of it, it does come to like having a good outlook and having, cause I know that there are phases in my life when I had kind of a shitty attitude about life. And that's when I felt I was unlucky. Like the stuff yeah. that I was going for, things don't pan out. Girls I was attracted to just went up with other dudes, business deals. I'm trying to close, just keep eluding me. And then my attitude got shittier and then my luck got worse and it became this interesting death spiral. Whereas the other way around, if you have a good attitude, you're helping people, you're positive. I mean, I don't want to go as far as like, you know, the secret or manifesting or whatever. I, I feel like it's very woo woo, but at some level it, it seems to kind of work. I think right. there's an element of attitude that affects the outcome of the world. It could just be like the people react into a more positive vibe. And then as a result of that, things happen in a way that if you're yeah, just there's yeah there's cynical, nothing not wrong with thinking positive yeah. and, and 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 doing good in life yeah there, there's nothing wrong well well you know you could argue that you know that you could be a polyana not, not be nice a, guys finish last you it's could more like argue non- that people take advantage right. of, of nice people because i i 100 I feel a victim of you know doing too much and overstanding yourself and, yeah the same. And it's like dude I've what the, the fuck are you know like like sometimes i feel like life is saying robert be be more of an asshole. Like, be it's, an asshole. It's, a, it's a weird balancing act of, it's uh, in game theory terms, they call it tit for tat. It's like, okay, I'll do it for you what you do for me. Kind of, it's, it's a, I'll, I'll start by being generous and open and trusting. That's a default. And then watch how people behave. And then you can adjust your behavior accordingly. If someone acts dishonorably toward you, reduce your inter- interaction with them or cut them off entirely. If they return the energy back, then you can redouble your efforts. I think that's that's a more sustainable of overall yeah. life strategies like it's not just everyone it, gets treated the same it's like everyone gets treated at first positively i'm going to assume good things about everybody and if you've proven yourself to be dishonorable shady whatever then okay do you think in general everybody's about the same uh going through this or do you think there's like because i strongly believe los angeles it's more difficult there's just more fake people and possibly it's it or is like the percentage per capita you know it's hard i mean we're, we're interacting with a very weird subset of people so i, I don't know and at some level, it's like, we're not going to interact with every single person in LLA. Remember, the average person in America makes like, what, 40000 a year? Is, is, right? Yeah, isn't yeah. The, the household income, the average in the United States is 57? Household, household, which means like, it's like, yeah. So are you meeting, how many people do you know are two people making twenty five grand a year? Do you know anyone like that? This is the average in America and we don't, so we're already dealing with not the average person. And, you know, the average person in America cannot handle a $400 emergency. It's grim, and it's like something like 56% of Americans could not. If you had a $400 emergency, something happened, something broke, and it cost 400 bucks, 56% of Americans would have to sell something, borrow money, whatever, to cover that $400 hit. Is, isn't it 80% or two paychecks yeah, away from something being homeless? Like, so that's, that's the thing. It's like, so we're, so as, to ask your question, it's like, I don't know. And at some level, it's kind of not relevant um, because the point of it really is wherever you are, the point is what are the people that are above you doing and how can you level up wherever you are? You know, you're, you start off and it was actually, I just wrote an essay recently on this topic. It's like, you know, the, if you believe in the, you know, the, the a lot of movies talk, and TVs talk about multiverse, the idea of a parallel universe, whatever. I don't know if, who, who, I don't know if you believe it or not, but I wrote an essay saying, if you is, believe is, in this thing, huh? Sorry, is there a difference between multiverse and different dimensions? Mm, it's kind of... The, well, it's similar. Multiverses, yeah. This idea that there's parallel versions of you. And that, and right. So the essay I wrote basically says that, you know, there's, there's a parallel version of you with your face and your name 
and he's kicking your ass because you know what? Every time you skip a workout, he goes to the workout. Every time you eat that dessert, he's passing the dessert and eats a piece of fruit instead. Every time you have a business deal where you're like, oh, I want to call this prospect, he calls that prospect, gets the money. Every time you're about to get into a stupid argument online, this guy skips it and calls one of his friends and spends time with someone that actually cares about him. And then, by, and then imagine the benefits that compound year after year, decade after decade. And at the end of your life, imagine you meet that person, that better version of you that did everything right that you skipped out on. And how much more? And so the, the, there's a notion that the Buddhist definition of hell is at the end of your life, you meet the person you could have been and you have all of eternity to contemplate just how much you let yourself down. Yeah, the, 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 fuck, somebody talked about something very similar, and the way they broke it down is they, they said, imagine your your social media presence or your talent mm-hmm. or your writing or what, whatever your talents are. Right. Imagine they're, they're obviously a piece of you. Yes. And and they're, they're fighting, you know, the fitness guy, they're yes. eating healthy, the same thing. Right. And they're coming up to you, and they're like, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And your mind's like, you know, like no, no, no. And it's like, let, let me shine. Let me shine. Do do a podcast every day. What, whatever that talent is. Right. And you shut it down. And imagine all the things you wanted to do, you don't do. Yep. And now you're at your dying bed. And now these are ghosts looking at happen. you. And Could saying, have been done. You have, you have decades to do it. Plenty of time to do it. You, you never you never brought me out. Yeah. You never brought me out. Nobody will ever know about me. Yep. You, you kept me, you know, like it. Like Just busy getting to arguments with strangers on Twitter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, right? it's, it's mind-boggling. So it, it's deep. That's and the thing I think is. And, and it's, it's weird because people are so worried about. What's funny is, is when something's good for you, yeah. people talk shit. And when something's yeah. bad for you, people are like, eh, it's, you know. It's because people want to feel better about their own bad behaviors. That's why. So the idea is you want to kind of surround yourself with people that are leveling up, people that if you hold yourself to high standards, the goal is, number one, don't be an arrogant ass. Just because you hold yourself to higher standards than 98% of people, the smart thing to do is figure out the 2% that are doing better than you. What are they Mm. doing? How can I be worthy of their company that they consider you their peer? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I kind of focus on. Okay, fine, hold myself to high standards. It doesn't mean, ha ha, I'm so much better than them. I'm lording my, like, you know, I've got, I can handle a $400 emergency. You guys are all losers. Like, Fine, you can do that, but remember, there are guys that can handle a million-dollar emergency. Hey, you know, my kid is sick, and there's some exotic treatment that's going to cost half a mil. Okay, fine. That's what it is. Yeah, no problem. Let's do it. Whatever, right? There are people that are in that position. And then and there's people that, that are not. Right. And so the idea is how can you get move further and further up? Because they, they, these people, they exist, and they're still serving their community. They're earning what they're earning. They've got the relationships they've got. It's like, what can I do to make myself further, closer to those kinds of archetypes? And I think that's... That's a healthier way to go through life than just trying to feel better about all the people you've left behind. I mean, if you work hard, if you make money, you are going to leave people behind, and that's fine. But if that's why I don't like social media because a lot of it is just flexing on the poor. Just, Ooh, look, look at the cool toys I have that you don't. And it's like, that's, it's nice, but it's not everything. And I think focusing upwards on what can I do that I'm not doing now? What is someone who's like 10 15% better than me doing that I'm not doing and then get on it. I mean, there's stuff that you can't do. Like, you know, no matter how hard we train, we'll never be a Navy SEAL or an Olympic athlete. There's stuff that's out of reach, period, no matter how hard you work. But there are things that... Never say never. Well, never say never. Uh, but if you, you want to be a Navy SEAL, you can be a Navy uh, SEAL, okay? I'm listening. <laughs> people like you. People yeah, I'm like the dream you. killer, yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I really do believe people can, like... like David Goggins. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, are you yeah, familiar yeah, with him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you read his book? I have not. 
It's interesting because the way he talks about uh, Hell Week yes. and, and the Navy SEALs right. and everything, it's he really breaks it down into the sense of it, it's a mind fuck. Yes, it, it's that's not the whole point of it. It's not the physical part right. of it. It's right. it's just your mind. And if you say I'm going to do this no matter what, you'll you'll find the will to do it no matter it's what. A test of resolve. But the, yeah. But they, it's it. That's the whole point, you yeah. know. That's why they keep you up for three fucking days, yeah. and then ask you a bunch of questions and right. make you feel weak because it's it, it's more of a mind game more yes. than a physical game. The and, first and, to drop out are always the athletes, right? Think, it's, not, it's not an extra. It's not a who's the best at running and swimming. It's like clearly, you know, everyone's going to be at some level of shape. That's not the point of it. Yeah. And so the ones who think that's the point of it, they're the ones the first that crack. And and it's it's interesting. And then I'm going to bring it even deeper than that. But Yo. it's interesting because you, you, you we live in a country, and I've had this conversation a few times mm-hmm. more recently than than ever. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that if you're born in America and you went to schools in America, there's this whole fucking program of you cannot do this, you cannot do that. Be afraid of cops. Be afraid of this. Yeah. You try to get a good job, be a good employee, show up on time. Right. This is your only options. Like, there's a whole fucking brainwash. Indoctrination that's going on there, for sure. So, it's so big, dude. Like, Topic for another conversation. I'm, I would definitely like to explore that. I've got a lot of thoughts on that, yeah, but yeah, uh, we got to wrap up, I think, here. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We covered the motorcycle. We covered the event. You want to say it one more time for yes, the listeners? Uh, topgun.eventb.com. Topgun.eventb, as in boy, E-E. Com, and it will be on May 25th. It will be an amazing event for... Private theater, two private. days before anything. Yes, Before indeed. any uh, other theater that's out. Yes, indeed. That's We're amazing. super psyched for it. It's going to be awesome. Kai, thank you very much. Tremendous brother. pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, okay. Want to change it? Um, I was going to say, like, the event...